Welcome to Open the Pod Bay Doors. I'm your host today, Ian Gardner. This podcast is brought to you by Innovation Bay. We are a network of tech founders, investors, and connectors, and our aim is to support startups on their journey from idea to IPO and beyond. We've been doing this since 2003. We're active across Australia. We've got over 5,000 members. So if you're interested in joining us, please check us out and sign up as a member at innovationbay.com. Now, if you like this podcast, and we really hope you do, please do tell the world about us on social media. And if you're feeling super generous, you could also rate us wherever you listen to your podcast. We love hearing your feedback, so please do let us know how we're doing and who else you might like to hear on the show. Joining me is Melissa Widner. So Melissa is originally American. She has a background as a pretty successful entrepreneur all the way from a very early age. Her, her very first job out of uni was as CEO of a manufacturing company, uh, which we talk about. Uh, she then launched a software business, which she, she then sold uh, successfully. Uh, it was a good exit, I think, and uh, that got her into venture. Uh, started up in Seattle, eventually married an Aussie uh, and ended up in Sydney. Uh, and i got to say, I and many others know that story. And I don't think many of us are, are objecting to it. It's, it's normally a pretty good transition. Melissa's just finished a five-year spell with NAB Ventures and she's gone back to the fun side. So she has joined uh, one of her portfolio companies, Lighter Capital, as CEO. So Lighter's uh, an alternative lending company. So they're doing sort of debt finance, but uh, with without any of the gotchas that normally come with debt. So plenty more on, on that to come later. Uh, I should declare a, a slight conflict of interest here. Uh, Melissa actually roped me in as a sort of part-time uh, gig worker to earlier this year to help Lighter get kicked off in Australia. It's an amazing business and Melissa's is an amazing story. So yeah, let's get over to it. And here is my chat with Melissa. I'm actually sitting in Melissa Widner's beautiful house in Mossman. Uh, we've got a view of the Inner Harbour from her office, which actually happened to be your son's bedroom. You stole it when he left, is that right? Oh, within 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for having me over. It's, uh, it's always nice to do these face-to-face. So um, yeah, so uh, many of our listeners might know you as Melissa Widner from NAB Ventures, but that's no longer true. So why don't we start with just a, the simple question, what, what are you up to? Yeah. Well, I think you know Ian, I do. right? Yes. <laughs> so um, I left NAB a week ago to become the CEO of one of NAB's portfolio companies, Lighter Capital. So after being at NAB for almost five years, I'm actually back on the tools. Wow, that's I'm exciting. Back to running a company. And is yeah. that is that there is precedent for this? Like VCs will sometimes leave to run portfolio companies. Yeah, it's not. It's not, not super, super common. common. It's probably more the opposite. Right. So, but I've been in venture for almost two decades. So, um, and I just loved this company and they were, uh, you know, we were replacing the CEO and I decided to put my hand up for it. Yeah. No, it's been great. Like you, you told me about it, I think a year and a half ago and about yeah. the company, yeah. maybe a year about ago. Yeah, a year yeah, ago. yeah. When we were expanding yeah. into Australia, because you were you were the perfect guy to be our biz dev on the ground here. Yeah, well, and, well, I, and I remember what you said. Do you remember what you said? I said I'm too busy. Don't yeah, be silly. you said don't be silly. And I said let's, <laughs> let's just go have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> let's just chat. Yeah, yeah. No, so it's been great. I mean, it's a uh, it's a remarkable business. So I do want to talk about the business and and hear a bit more about it. Uh, but I kind of want to get into a bit more background on on you and and how you ended up here. So because you're not. Australian. No, well, you might. You have no. probably got passport. I'm married to one. I've got four Australian kids, but I'm not Australian. Right. So, how did you end up in Australia? Then, maybe just give us some background from your US days. Yeah. Well, I, th- I would say it was a verbal prenuptial agreement with my husband that, that we would someday like, live like here. Mine. Yeah. And um, look, I think when there's a, a couple from two different countries and one's from Australia, they typically end up in Australia because it's true. a great place to live. But but I spend a lot of my time in Seattle, and with lighter, I'll spend a lot. 
more. So I've, I've always felt like I, you know, had a foot in both places. Yeah. You're obviously not right now though. We're still in the not middle right of the now. pandemic. Not, <laughs> not while the travel restrictions are yeah. where they are. Yeah. And that must be kind of tough to, to run a US based business from Australia. Well, I um, get up at five in the morning every day. So yeah. that's what day, that's what time my day starts. But otherwise, look, pre COVID, I never would have thought this was possible, but, um, the people at Lighter have not seen each other nor been in the office since the 1st of March. Wow. So it really does. In fact, several of them have moved out of Seattle and are living in other places now and continuing to work. So it doesn't really matter where you are these days. Yeah. And it's not just you. So you did nab Nick, 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 Nick Baker. Yes. I don't know yeah. why I stumbled over Nick. It's not a hard name. <laughs> Nick Baker. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nick came with me. Nick and I were working. He was an investment associate at, um, NAB. Yeah. And we've been working closely for the last couple of years, uh, working, uh, really deeply on lighter over the last, um, you know, six months or so. And, uh, you know, he, one of the, the progressions from that, that's an investment associate at NAB is to go out and get some operating experience. So yeah. he was pretty excited about this. So, and what's, uh, what's Nick going to be doing? Later? He is COO, CFO. All right, cool. Yeah. That's exciting. So yeah. is he an accountant by, by training? Well, his, he, he doesn't like to say that, but he, his <laughs> career started at PwC. Right. And then he went and um, did an MBA in the US at Cornell. And then he worked in investment banking at Goldman in New York for a few years yeah. before he came back to Australia. And, and so Nick's not the only famous alumni from uh, NAB Ventures. I mean, you have churned out some of some really good VC talent. So, I mean, do you want to touch on them and why NAB was such a good breeding ground for VC talent? Yeah. Well, I think that we are able to attract great people. And I always, um, one of the uh, you know, one of the things about working in a CVC, a corporate venture capital fund is you get access to incredible, um, companies because companies don't just want your money. In fact, a lot of the ones that we invested in had, um, no shortage of funds wanting to give them money, but they're looking for a strategic fit or they're looking for some other value beyond money. So, uh, one of the great things about being at NAB, um, is, is just the value you can bring to companies. So, you know, we, um, invested in deals um, globally and with a lot of other, you know, really great VCs Yeah, so that, he, that we'd, you'd have trouble getting into if if you didn't have that, you know, strategic yeah. angle. So, so let's name some names. So like, who, <laughs> who are you proud of that's come out of NAB? Oh, oh, everyone, everyone who was there. Let's see. Um, some of our early Lachlan Hughes, he, yeah. he was in NAB and he's at a private equity firm now. Um, Lucy, yeah. um, Hankin, she is at Grok. Yeah. And she was one. like one yeah. of the early ones to go into Grok's VC. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, and you. And Nick, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Famous. <laughs> uh, so look, maybe let's jump back to you and get a bit more background. So, um, if I get this right, um, you grew up in Seattle. Uh, you studied at Washington Uni. University of Washington. Oh. UW. You, okay, got it. Um, uh, that's quite a big uni, isn't it? It's big. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you did a trade and finance degree. That was all yep. I could find on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, and then you spent Econ, yeah. five years from, this is LinkedIn. I've been trolling LinkedIn this morning. Uh, but you spent five years running. You said you were CEO of some company, which I- An I, industrial I, supply company. Yeah. Yes. So how did you graduate and immediately become CEO of an <laughs> industrial know. supply company? I know. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So I, when I was in college, I had a business, a bow business. And um, this was in the 80s. Bow. Bow hair accessories. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And my um, roommate and I in the sorority 
said we would, you know, start this business because we just wanted, you know, running around money. But anyway, we we started the business and I think we started with literally a $10 investment each, made some prototypes, went out and sold a bunch and then sold them to stores. And anyway, we had this business called M&M Bows. She actually went on to do some super interesting things. We ended up together at Stanford later doing different degrees. But um, but as a result of that, a friend of mine's and I and I put myself through school, I paid my way through school. And um, one of my uh, um, a friend of mine who I was in college with, her dad kind of saw me doing this and, and said, that's pretty interesting that, you know, she's entrepreneurial and look at her compared to you. I mean, I think my friend still managed not never to have a job at this age, you right. know. So um, he offered me the opportunity to run a company that he was um, about to acquire that was a turnaround company. It was a 45-year-old company on the brink of bankruptcy in right. industrial supplies very unglamorous. Um, but really now that I know a lot more about business, a really good business because our customers were um, hospitals, big government buildings and um, schools. Yeah. And what they did is they bought our products and then they ran out and then they bought more. And then they ran out and then they bought more. <laughs> so it was a really good recurring revenue stream. Yeah. yeah. And then we sold that business um, Five years later, and uh, he made a 15x return wow, on his great. investment, and I, that was a great platform. It, I, it helped me get into. Um, I went to Stanford Business School. So, yeah, no, that's all that, that was yeah. your, your next uh, progression, and that was right about the time when the internet was just evolving. So I think Netscape went public. Netscape went, I started in 95. Netscape went public a couple weeks before I started school. Right. So it was very interesting time. In fact, I remember having a class, uh, a a class at Stanford Business School where we went down to the computer lab to learn how to use the internet. Yeah. (laughs) So you got your MBA from Stanford. uh, I I started seven software in my second year at Stanford. Oh, so you actually started that while you were studying? After, yep. After, um, in fact, I, it was around a class I was doing. Yeah. Right. Part of it was around a class I was doing. Yeah. So you basically moonlighted, which one was the moonlight? Was that the studying or the job? Definitely the uh, studying. Right. Seven Software was quite a success story. So tell us about that. So that was a company um, that was started in the nineties to automate procurement for large companies. And it was started with um, my, who was my boyfriend at the time, it's my husband now, and he was at Microsoft. He created a product there for internal use called MS Market to automate procurement. And it was to automate procurement using um, the internet technology. And this was back, Microsoft was accused of having completely missed the internet. Yeah. And um, they would they would highlight this product that they built for internal use, which saved them, they estimated $35 million in the first year by just automating this function. Wow. You know, something like processing a PO would cost $150. And then by automating it, it costs $2. And you're able to do that multiple times. So whenever they would show this technology to Microsoft customers to say, hey, this is what you can build using Microsoft technology, the customers would say, "Um, where do I buy that? They'd say, no, 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 we don't sell this. We're just showing you the things, kinds of things you can build. Here's a great example. So it was clear to me that this was a company, right? And I was at Goldman. I was doing my summer associate program at Goldman Sachs at the time, looking at technology companies and going, oh, these multiples are pretty interesting yeah. compared to industrial supplies. And um, it was, and also I, you know, having run an industrial supply company where we understood procurement and the, you know, the um, manual nature of it. So we started uh, Seven Software 
And then we ended up in a really hot space. Another, a couple other companies started procurement and enter, doing enterprise um, procurement at the same time, Ariba and Commerce One. And, and we were acquired by a company called Concur Technologies. Oh, yeah. That was before Concur went public. Right. And that brought me back up to Seattle from Palo Alto. I mean, this is in the, the, the guts of Silicon Valley. Is that right? Were you living down yeah. there as well? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So our, our, living office, the dream. our office was above a, um, Lamborghini dealership <laughs> and you had to, it was like the, you know, it was, it was sort of the, you know, the rough, there was, you know, kind of no ceiling kind of thing. Um, but you had to, all of our developers had to walk through the Lamborghini dealership up the stairs to get there. Right. So we thought that was really good, uh, motivation. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like it works. So you, you sold it and I, I guess you did pretty well from that. And then when, uh, yeah, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, we sold it when Concur was, um, Concur was private. They were, they actually, wanted to get in we had several acquisitions offers at the time which which made me realize that um then i went into vc we'll go a little bit later yeah. but it made me realize that uh, you know so much of it is about timing yeah. you know you think you're really smart when you have a couple good exits and then you work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are a lot smarter than you are um work a lot harder than than i did at the time yeah. for a lot longer and didn't have that same you know, fortune of timing. And would you have done anything different if you if you knew then what you know now? What would you have done differently in terms of selling it? Uh, it's that's a hard one because it was such a good outcome. Yeah. So that's a hard one to say we would do anything differently. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, there's, the right there's a million things I would do differently in terms of, um, you know, I, I did run two companies uh, that had very successful exits. But, um, you know, I think I probably wasn't a great manager then. Yeah. And even though I had great team and they, uh, you know, a lot of them followed to an, another company that we started while we were at Seapoint. But, um, but so I, there's probably a lot of things I would do, you know, differently yeah. now, which is kind of one of the fun things about being back on, you know, back on the tools. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, never regret. I mean, it's, it's just a series of learnings. I mean, if you yeah. spend too long looking back and being worried about what you've done. Yeah. No, no regrets for sure. No regrets. Yeah, oh, one great. thing I would done, I would have done differently on the industrial supply company. I would have sold it earlier. Okay. Like I think about your, your twenties go by so fast. Yeah. Right. And I spent five years on that company and every year we were increasing sales so much. It was going up in value every year that I actually deferred going to business school for a year right. to, to keep going. And I, I didn't get anything from the second year, really, in terms, I mean, not the second year, the fifth year, in terms of learnings, you know, I could have ha taken another year in my 20s. So you'd have wanted to do a bit more travel and partying? Yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, exactly, or something else. That was sort of like five years of a total blur. I mean, yeah. it was like, I think I took one, I tried to make up uh, in hard work for what I didn't know, yeah. you know, so I didn't really ever well, take still, a vacation. Yeah, or, you've got yeah. plenty of time to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you got years <laughs> I made up for that later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Uh, all right. So you, you headed back to Seattle and fell into, or, or you started in VC. So tell us about that journey. Yeah. Well, I didn't ever plan on getting into VC. I didn't Does even anyone? see it. I wonder. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. We get a lot of them that that approached us when I was at Seapoint Ventures and at Nav right. Ventures from business school saying, yeah, we want to get into VC. I've always wanted to be a VC. Right. I think I never thought of it as a path because um, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, there weren't a lot of women right. in the profession. So it wasn't something still I thought case. of. Still, it's still the case. In fact, we still, um, it was very frustrating at Nav. We hardly had any women apply for our investment associate roles. Yeah. Um, 
but I, when I moved back to Seattle with Concur and then Concur went public and I served out my time there, um, I became pretty active in angel investing and I yep. went on the board of the Alliance of Angels, which was one of the first um, angel investing uh, forums yeah. in the world, really. And it was one of the most active, still is very active. And, um, and then I was recruited to a venture capital firm called C-Point, C-Point Ventures. Right. Yeah. So yeah. how did you know those, those folk? Uh, how did I know them? Oh, I, I started an organization. I started the Seattle chapter of the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. Okay. And I think that's how I came across, um, well, I came across Susan, who is Susan Siegel, who's now my really good friend. And she was at C-Point at the time. And she said, you know, we're recruiting for a, for an investment associate and we'd really like to chat with you. So yeah. I ended up there. So, I mean, I, I do want to get on to um, <laughs> lighter, uh, lighter yeah. uh, and some other stuff, but I think we just got to finish. Is there, is there anything else in Seattle before you ended up in, in, in Sydney? I mean, I, I don't know how you want to, you know, give a synopsis of that journey to Sydney. Well, I, I like I just having a husband who's Australian who right. said, you know, want to move back. And uh, he, I said, okay, I'll try it for a year or two. Um, but it still took, what, 10 years? Oh, 11 years ago. 11 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 11. We moved here very beginning of 2009. But the amount of time you were back in Seattle after? So we spent a year in France before okay. coming here. So we were in Seattle until um, 2007. Right. Yep. So I was in Seattle from back in Seattle from 98 to 2007. Okay. Nine years. Yeah. All right. And then a year in France and then you came straight here. Yeah. Uh, and well, you're still yeah. working for Seapoint? Yeah, yeah. But by that time, it was, we, our last, um, Seapoint had done three funds and the last one was raised in 2002. Yeah. So there wasn't, it was, it wasn't okay. new investments. It was just working the investments left oh, in the portfolio. Yeah. Uh, and so how did you enjoy Australia when you got here? Um, well, Australia, you gotta love Australia, right? Yeah. But in 2009. Yeah, but it was like, people <laughs> do love Australia and you know, the view and the weather and the people. Yeah. And, but it's tough. It was a tough place to be a technology business. 2009 was, it was, there was nothing was going brutal. on. There was nothing yeah. going on. And, um, it was really surprising to me. And I think actually really surprising for my husband. My husband's a technologist and he's Australian and he really wanted to come back here. And when we came back, you know, he, he had been CTOs for startup companies before and he thought that's what he'll do here. He'll become a CTO of a you know, smaller, mid-sized company. And he, you know, talked to a few, there weren't many around and got offers and there was no equity. There right. were no options. You know, back in 2009, you couldn't give, there was all kinds of tax um, implications. Yeah. And he said, why would anybody go to a startup <laughs> without having options? So he ended up at CBA and then Citrix and, but um, now he's at sales. Force. But I, I think that it was probably a lot tougher for him because in um, Seattle and Silicon Valley, like technologists are just gods yeah. over there, right? Most companies, the CTO, a lot of companies, not most, the CTO makes more money than the CEO. So, and I actually loved it because for me, it was um, kind of an open canvas. You yeah. know, all of these, all, uh, uh, you know, all of these, um, the ecosystem was really being created. Yeah. So that was really fun. Yeah, for me, like, it was great. And, and, and yeah. you're right. I mean, the ecosystem was nascent back then. I mean, Innovation Bay was around, but we weren't doing much. Yeah, you I were one of the only ones. Sydney yeah, Angels was much. just starting. Yeah. and I mean, yeah. We started doing our first uh, investment dinners around about the same time Sydney Angels did, which is 2010. And it was just, it was immature. Like the founders were immature. The investors were immature. There was right. no venture money. It was, it was exciting. 
it was, yeah, it was exciting. And it was, it was, it was kind of fun to be on the ground floor. And I realized that's not the ground, ground floor, but it had been, it sort of had died for a while and then yeah. it was just coming back. And, and now it's, it's pretty vibrant. Yeah. And, and, and you've helped with this. So, I mean, I, I want to just touch on Heads Over Heels. So, I mean, what is Heads Over Heels and how did you get involved? Yeah. So Heads Over Heels is, um, uh, look, uh, you know, this is what happens when people, um, who are creative and have a passion about something and have some time get together. And so a few other women and I got together and we didn't know exactly what it would look like, but we were all frustrated with um, just the lack of women we saw running companies yeah. and getting funding and growth companies. And so we spent months, probably six months, uh, figuring out what Heads Over Heels would look like. And then we launched it in June of 2010. This is with um, Alex Burrell, who's now the CEO of Path Tech. Yep. That's just about to go public. At the time, she was at um, what's now called Cicada. It was ATP. She was yep. their you know external biz dev person. And then um, Janet Menzies, who she's at Cochlear now, but she was here. She was, you know, former, um, she's from Canada, but she moved out here. She had been at McKinsey before and was, uh, you know, doing some startup things, but had time. So we all had time yep. to build that. And it took a lot of time where, we cause it was all, it was built with volunteers. But the idea was, um, that women are very entrepreneurial. They start as many companies or more than men do, but they don't grow them. And one of the reasons they don't grow them to the same, extent that that men do is they don't have access to the networks that are really necessary. And, you know, I think back to, you know, with Seven Software, the success we had, a lot of it I can just trace back to I met this person at this time, or I got this right connection at this right time, you know, to either an investor or a... Yeah. So what Heads Over Heels tries to do is is um, just expedite that whole process. I know you've been to a lot of our functions oh, yeah, yeah, and you've been I a huge it. supporter. Yeah, it's been great. Um, and, and now with, you know, 10 years under our belt, there's just a lot of... Um, you know, yeah, a lot of great case studies for. Oh, it's, it's run like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. Got, now uh, we you have sponsors CEO, and CEO. We have sponsors and and um and also just the the impact that we've had on um on so many companies has just been great to see. And yeah. it, it's pretty simple. It's efficient impact. It's you yeah, know well, if you get the right introduction at the right time. It can be golden. I, I, I don't want to mangle it. So, I mean, do you want to uh, give us a synopsis of the typical evening at Heads Over Heels event? How does it work? Yeah. So, the three companies present and they are, it's a selective process to become a Heads Over Heels CEO. Um, they are, they go through uh, presentation training. A lot of them are good presenters before they come in, but they go through presentation training. They present to our connectors, we call them. And these are senior business leaders, men and women who are willing to open up their networks. Yeah. So, the the CEO will say, Here's what I do. Kind of like a pitch for funding, but it's not a pitch for funding. Here's here's what I do and here's what I'm looking for. And sometimes am, that's funding. That well, sometimes they're looking for funding. And what's amazing is, and this was a stat from a few years ago, so I'm not, this is maybe five years ago, I'm not up to date on how much money the angel organizations have raised. But heads over heels CEOs had made had raised had raised more money from connections through heads over heels than um, any of the angel groups right. had. And we're not a fundraising. Yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not a fundraising platform. And this was because, you know, who's in the audience yeah. and, and the connections they got and just also the quality of the companies that present. So it's um, quite a nice way because I mean it's <laughs> almost competitive because you go into this room with a bunch of other people um, and you, you kind of want to, you know, the, the incentive is yeah. like almost gamified. It's like you've got seven minutes to put your hand up and, and help. give them a name right. of someone that you know. Yeah, and yeah. It, and then you just, uh, you know, follow up with them and make the intro. 
So it's, it's quite satisfying as yeah. an audience member. Oh, you, good. You really feel yeah. Well, I th- and they and they really are. And and what we tell the CEOs, like you know, one of the things the CEOs come out of it with is sometimes they'll come out with you know forty to sixty targeted introductions, things that they've asked for specifically. And you know, CEOs are busy people, so now they've got to follow yeah. up on all of those. But you know, what we try and say, look, we're hoping you get one or two hits out of this. You know, one or two things that maybe turns into you know. It, you're, you're, you know, an investor yep. into a good strategic partnership, into a sale. You know, that's what, you know, you're not going to get a hit of 40 or 60, but if you, one or two, that's really yeah. kind of semi game changing. Uh, and so, how many um, CEOs have you had come through now? I'll say 60 I or 70. I know this it? number, but I think it's about 60. Yeah, because it's, it's on average um, six to eight new a year. Right. It's probably more than that because we've been going for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and there's some superstars <laughs> in there. And again, yeah. you can't have favorite children, but I'm going to ask you. Who are your favorite CEOs? There's so many. I mean, there. Yeah, that I'll give you one like but Vanessa from Storage. Vanessa like, from Storage. Yeah, we we invest, invested great. there. She is just wonderful, and you invested there. Yeah, yeah. and that's an when we're. And she met you through Heads Over Heels. Yeah. You were at our event, and, right. and then you, you introduced her to Innovation her. Bay, and then she got funding from Innovation Bay. She got funding from Heads Over Heels. So so much of, and she says this, so much of, um, you know, the success that she had in her company, which she ultimately would have had anyway, but came through introductions of, at Heads Over Heels, which hopefully just expedited the process, yeah. and then. Um, and just for the audience, like she went on and sold the business for a huge multiple within about three, less than yeah, three years. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Great story. And Lauren from Ivy, yeah. oh, the open agent. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marta, um, Huguera Ivy. and Zoe Poynton. Oh, Zoe. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they raised their um, big $6 million round from their first big round from um, someone they met at Heads Over Heels, who then went on to their board. Um, That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Look, we should talk about lighter. Lighter, capital. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Power for you know. So, like, this must be an amazing firm. I guess everyone's thinking for for someone like you to leave a great job at Nab Ventures, where you I think you've been there almost five almost years. Almost five years. Yeah. One of, the, one of the managing partners. Um. So yeah, wh- why did why was lighter capital the one that um you wanted to leave to 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 get into? Well, I love their mission. They've been at it for ten years, and they're helping companies. They're giving companies access to growth capital, you know, right at the time they need it. And these are companies, and I can relate to that so much from running different companies, but also from funding and seeing so many companies that we didn't fund as venture firms because yeah. they didn't necessarily, they were either too early or they weren't going to grow big enough to be a venture fund, but they could grow to be a really good company. And Lighter provides them that capital and it's completely non-dilutive. Uh, they don't have to give up any board seats. There's no covenants. So it just There's fills no such a great guarantees. niche. No personal guarantees. Yeah, because um, I mean, that expression- That's why it's called light yeah. for capital. No, yeah. That's quite right. <laughs> yeah. You know, because that expression, growth capital, I mean, that can take many different forms, mm. uh, but this is quite unique. It's it? very much, it's, 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 um, you know, and what Lighter's secret sauce really is their their credit decisioning tool and their their ability to predict how companies will grow based on, you know, they've been doing this for 10 years now, doing it for, you know, companies with recurring revenue, tech companies with recurring revenue. So they're, and they're able to fund to the company's growth yep. because they're taking a cut of the revenue until they get to a certain amount. Um, and so they have to be really good at predicting that versus, you know, a bank, if they're going to give a loan, they're really looking at the past more yeah. than the future. And and can you give us a snapshot of where the firm's at? You know, how, how much is it lent? How many 
deals? Mm. Yeah. So they have lent over $200 million um, to US US, to um, over, I think it's over 400 companies. Yeah. And in terms of number of loans, more than that, because so many of our companies come back for multiple yeah, loans. Yeah, there's a lot of repeat loans. Yeah, yeah, there's- I there's the last number I remember was six or 700. Yeah, because yeah. the average um, loan is, the average company takes like 2.1 loans. Yeah. But- um, So that's, know, a, that's a strong sign. That must be one of the metrics that you, you track quite yeah, closely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, repeat deals are, and, and, and there's just, there's so many good stories, but one of my favorite ones, it's a company that had an app for doing church donations and um, I think Lighter did six or seven loans to them and uh, in the life they started doing loans in the life of the company they started doing loans when the company had maybe a few hundred thousand in revenue um, and loaned them all the way till like I think they got up to 10 million dollars in revenue and the company sold for over a hundred million dollars they were acquired um, and the CEO, the founder, owned 100% of it. Wow. Because every time he needed capital, he just came to Lighter. <laughs> and so it was non-dilutive. So that's just, I mean, that's, that's you know, such a great story. A lot of times uh, companies are uh, getting capital and then getting funded later from yeah, a venture firm. Yeah. So that's not, and, and, you know, not everybody wants to hang on to all of their capital. But if you do, I mean, all, all of the, yeah. you know. Yeah, because it's not necessarily competitive with VC. I mean, it, it kind of no, works no, 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 arm no. in arm with it. Right, exactly. And we get a lot of our referrals come from venture capitalists who, who you know, we as venture capitalists, we hate to say no to companies because they're great companies. Yeah. I mean, everyone that I, I, I just love, entre- I mean, I love entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, you hate to, you know, VC, you're in the job of disappointing 99% of the people that you come into contact with. Yeah. So what's What's great, why we get a lot of our referrals from Lighters or from VCs is they'll, you know, they'll refer to Lighter because it's a company that makes sense for Lighter and it's, you know, giving the company another path. Yeah. And, and I mean, do you want to touch on what the product actually is and how, yeah. how the process works? Yeah, we're works? kind of assuming people know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so the, so Lighter lends to companies that have recurring revenue and it's mostly tech companies, but not all. And it's most, mostly I mean, B2B SaaS would be the sort of yeah, sweet mostly. spot, but it's not Yeah, all. yeah. But there's a lot of other, you know, a lot of other things yep. in there as well. It's, it's mainly, is it sort of recurring predictable revenue, um, anywhere from 15,000 in MRR up to, you know, loans will go up to 3 million. The typical loan size is up to three to four times your MRR. Yep. And the minimum loan is 50,000, yep. but the maximum is 3 million. But that's usually go, that's usually when a company's done multiple loans yep. with them. The average is sort of three to 400,000 US. And um, the repayment term, like how long are you expected? Three to years. Back? Right. It's almost uh, always three years. But the, the repayment process is not the vanilla, hey, pays X amount per month. I mean, right. It's well, there is that option. There's the term loan. Most of our loans have been, um, uh, which is the RBF, the revenue based financing. And that would be, you know, say you borrowed 300,000, we might say, okay, you're going to pay us back. Um, we're going to target a return of around 20%. You're going to pay us back, say, you know, 400, 420 over the life of the loan. Yep. And, but that is going to be paid back as a percentage of your revenue. So for months that you have lower revenue, you'll be, you'll pay back less. And for months where revenue is really high, you'll pay back, you'll pay more. Yeah. So the loan might be paid back early. And sometimes loans pay back early because um, the company's acquired or they get venture funding and they yeah. pay it back early. But it, but it's, it's really a nice cash flow smoothing, um, you know, um, yeah. tool for, for, for companies. No, no, and we look for great. companies that have a low churn rate 
and, um, you know, have diversity in their, in their customer base. So, you know, if you have one or two customers, it's probably not a fit. And we look for companies that have been around a year. Yeah. At least. At least. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, At least. Uh, And it's been a, you know, great, um, they have, uh, you know, very low loss rate. So they're, they're pretty, they're, they're good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I, you know, it's, it's, and then there's a lot of areas that, that, um, lighter can grow into. And that's the thing I'm pretty excited about. I mean, so, I mean, in Australia, there has been, um, an emergence. I mean, I wouldn't say it's common, but there are some venture debt providers yeah, out there. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the, the differentiator or similarity between Lighter and, and those folk? Yeah. Well, like PFG is yeah. one of them. And we, um, in the US have a partnership with PFG. So PFG is usually writes much bigger checks. It's kind of in the three to four million venture debt, maybe five, six, even more. And they're looking for, um, equity. Um, some warrants, you know, sometimes it's much as a couple, 2% of the company and looking for, um, you know, there's covenants. So it's a different, it's a different vehicle, but a yeah, lot of so, times I our mean, companies that's, that's would, the venture and yeah, venture would graduate into that. Yeah. Right. Or a lot of times they're too small for PFG. You know, the company maybe needs 300,000 or 500,000 PFG wouldn't touch that. It's too small. So, um, they're companies that we work with. Yeah. And, and COVID, I mean, COVID's obviously clobbered <laughs> most people in the world. I mean, how, yeah. how has Lighter been adapting to the COVID world? Yeah. Well, COVID was, um, you know, it was scary on multiple fronts, but, um, Lighter, even though they've been around for 10 years, they haven't really been around. They have not been around in a, um, in a downturn. So this is the first time they've been around in a downturn. That's something that we- You can take the boards from many companies out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So we always said this at the board level before we pat ourselves on the back with how good we are and how low our losses are. We have to remember, you know, um, you know, we've, we've only been around when the market's been going up. So when COVID hit, um, we, like almost all other lenders, just stopped. Yeah stopped lending. And, um, I think that, I think Prospa didn't lend for a couple, they're in a, you know, different space than us, but didn't lend for a couple months either. Everyone just sort of stopped and said, what, what is this going to look like? Yeah. What does this mean? Um, and our portfolios held up really well, knock on wood. We now have six months, seven months of it almost of, um, of COVID and it has held up really well. And, and I mean, I think PPP helped a lot in the U S it helped in her PPP is the payroll protection oh, yeah. plan. That's it's like the job, job keeper. keeper yeah. Exactly. So it helped in her in terms of, I would say it hurt because it sort of um, crushed demand because if you could get a loan for 1%, um, you know, 1% interest that you ultimately don't have to pay back, can't really compete against that. Right. <laughs> yeah. But we weren't really lending either in May and June. So that didn't make a difference, but it helped in terms of it kept a lot of our companies afloat yeah. during this difficult time. Yeah. And it must be tough though. Cause uh, I mean, you, you touched before on how much lighter relies on data and historical precedent to, yeah. to make decisions. And yeah, yeah. suddenly you've got this brand new pandemic with, which really has no precedent. Exactly. So, I mean, How I, do you, what, what's it going to look yeah. like? Nobody knows still. So, People are I, still saying this all feels too good. Why hasn't the stock market crashed? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so true. it crashed in the tech wreck. It crashed in 08. Yeah. Why hasn't it crashed? Well, it crashed a little bit and then it came, <laughs> and it came right back. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very so weird. people are still not sure, uh, you know, but, but we, we can look at, I mean, the nice thing when we're lending to this asset class companies with recurring revenue, um, it doesn't dry up overnight. Yeah. Right. You know, That's so true. even if you stop selling new, you've got this, this long tail. Yeah. Um, 
any any examples? And I know you're you're only just we're all, we're I should say we we're only yeah. just getting started in in <laughs> Australia. Um, but any successful um, lighter companies that that you can point to overseas that you want to call out? You know what I have to do? I have to find out what are our what's our ability to disclose. So um, I've got someone yeah. here. Okay, map anything. <laughs> I mean, there's some. Like, most of them are. Um, U.S. based, so there's not so. No, nothing in Australia yet. In yeah. fact, knock on wood, we're close to doing our first loan in Australia, yeah. which is really exciting. We're just launching here, and we're launching with a um, partnership. We're, we're 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 anyway. We're. Yeah. I think I can't say anything no. about that yet. But no, you can. <laughs> yes, Let's talk about the secret right, right. partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our secret partner. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. by the time this comes out, I'm not sure the the, the date today. I know. Let's do a quick date stamp. It's uh, anyway. It's the uh, is it the October yet, or is it the thirtieth? Today's the thirtieth. Thirtieth of September. Yeah. So, well, I know. I, I don't know. I live in two different dates, but I'm I sure think it's do. the thirtieth yeah. here. <laughs> um. So yeah. I, I mean, a little more um lighter. I mean, like the uh yeah. I mean, what's lighter doing to to navigate this situation? And you know, have you got recommendations? And if we can say the situation like COVID, and and specifically around what you'd be saying to startups out there, um, who are you know, looking to try and sort of weather this this economic crisis because you know everyone's projections and revenue forecasts are a little bit up in smoke. It's maybe yeah. settling down a bit now, mm. but any tips for the founders out there? Well, I, I think this is potentially a great option because if um, if, if venture funding is is on the fence. A little bit now, which we haven't seen so much. We haven't seen it as much as I thought we would see. Yeah, it. there's so, definitely a seed stage gap. So yeah. I think this this plays into that because it is earlier stage. Yeah, yeah. So so, um, but it's not. I, I really thought um, when COVID hit that venture funding would dry up pretty yeah. fast, like like it did in the tech wreck. Like you know, they're just it it, it just dried up within not immediately. I mean, it depends on when you define when the tech wrecks ha- happened. But after 9-11, it was almost impossible to get funding. So, but that hasn't happened so far. But if if you think about you know raising 300 or 500 or 700,000 to get you to the next stage, it's a great option for companies with recurring revenue. Yeah. Um, I mean, back to the community piece, like you've, and you know, some of our listeners may have heard this, but we've talked before about Summit Club and and yeah. what that is. I mean, it's a club for Series A and Beyond Startups. And it's actually a few heads over heels portfolio yeah. in there. You've got Emma Weston and, and Lauren um, uh, from Ivy. So, and there's and one you, more in Rebecca, yeah, Rebecca from starts at 60. Course. Yeah. Um, and you've just joined. Yes. So, um, I mean, and I'm not a heads over heels portfolio company well, yet, but you, I'm going to apply. A, you're a heads over heels founder. <laughs> I've got to go through the application process and it's very selective. So, <laughs> well, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, why? I mean, this isn't quite on the lighter topic, but I mean, Summit Club, I mean, you kind of jumped straight on it and you called me straight up and said, look, I've heard about this, this Summit Club. Yeah, I've and, heard great things about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what, what piqued your interest? And why did you want to sign up? Yeah, well, you know, being uh, the CEO of a company is a lonely job, right? Yeah, so sure I know how important it is to have that peer group. And um, I wouldn't say I, I had it a little bit when I was at um, Seven Software through Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. But um, I watching some of our CEOs at Heads Over Heels really form those peer groups and seeing how helpful that is to them. I just, you know, I realized as soon as I took this job at Lighter, I need to 
do something like that. And then I've heard just great feedback on Summit oh, that in, in terms of just how well run it is, which is not a surprise. <laughs> well, um, and and just how helpful it is for CEOs. Yeah, I mean, it's been weird for us this year. I mean, like the the you know the, the model really is to get people together, mm. and that's been tough. Uh, I mean, we did our first event, which you came yeah. to a couple of weeks ago, and that was uh, sort of strange. Uh, you know, in terms of trying to get people in a room, and then we had uh, separate hubs around the country. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the reality is it's it's difficult for everyone. So I don't think anyone's had got the answer. Right. I mean, if the answer was there, then everyone would be doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, look. It's, but good, good on you for doing that. And I'm um, hopefully the the next ones will be in person too. Yeah, well, I, you know, and part of the process is you get together in your clan. You know, and a clan is mm. a group of you know six to ten people that. Um, you know, get together really once a month, yeah. you know, uh, every second month physically and every second month uh, virtually, um, you know, and that's where you, you you actually, it's like your personal board yeah. and you get to right. share because it's, you know, we talk about three stools uh, or sorry, three legs of the bar stool. Like if you get three legs in the bar stool, it doesn't wobble. So uh, for most people, that's your work. Uh, it's your personal life, you know, your health and uh, mm -hmm. how you're feeling and it's your relationships. And if one of those legs is broken or short, then the whole thing wobbles and is unstable, yeah. you know, yeah. so you actually just need to build that balance. And that's really mm. what the clan and the yeah, summit yeah. club's designed yeah. to do. And you know, we are going to roll it out to broader founders uh, okay. next next year, um, as, you know, as well as we're doing it right now. In fact, you know, I think there's a little advert sting at the start of this podcast talking about the angel club. So we're doing it for angel investors as well. Oh, great. Uh, and, okay. and VCs. Yeah, good so, idea. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, in fact, you could tick the box for every <laughs> single one. You could be our I'll be your first, best customer. first member yeah. across all four clubs. <laughs> Wait, the four, angels, VCs, entrepreneurs, what's the fourth? Uh, so there's two types of entrepreneurs. You've got the Summit Club, which is the late stage right, entrepreneurs, right. Okay. which you're in. And then there's going to be uh, the Founder Club, uh, which we will come out with next year. We haven't okay. quite, that's that's probably the hardest one to crack because it's, you kind of got to do that scale and we don't want to do that until we're actually yeah. ready to go with it. But, yeah, yeah. you know, watch the space because we're super excited. It's probably the most impactful thing we've ever done at oh, Innovation Bay. That's awesome. And did you guys model this out of, out of, off of another oh, look, group? There's or? different groups. I know there's a different yeah, lot of groups, I mean, but I've I mean, been, was there one specific one I, that you said, look? I wouldn't say so. I mean, I, I've been in YPO for yeah. uh, about six or seven years. Uh, you know, I kicked the tires of EO. You know, but many of these CEO organizations have got the same concept of your forum or your clan yeah. that you get together in. And that really was the, the kernel of it. But the rest of it in terms of the, the, the peer group learning, we're kind of doing it. Quite a few of these organizations put it onto the members to run the, the chapters, mm. but we're taking that on right. centrally uh, and, and just doing a bit more curation. You know, and, and the reality is like, Tech founders, um, you know, have more specific challenges than the broader community. They go, you know, yeah. they raise money, mm. they're hiring or firing or managing staff all the time, and like hiring in particular yeah. is just a big issue. And they're trying to expand their business, mostly, well, often internationally. So you put those three um, things together, and it's quite a, a specific, yeah. but common uh, group of, of challenges. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you about, so you were uh, part of the AIC, so the Australian Investment Council. Yeah, uh, which was formerly known as AVCAL. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you type AIC into Google, like, uh, you know, you've got the Australian Institute of I know, there's, yeah, 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 I know. There's, a, there's a lot of- uh, in, AICs, in right, I know. Yeah, and, but tell us about that, because, uh, I mean, many people don't know that, but it's it's kind of a lobby group for 
private equity and venture capital. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they do such good work. Yeah, because you were in the, um, the board. I don't know whether I, I, I was, yeah. That. And Todd took my, uh, uh, I went off of it in November, last November. I was right. on it for three years and Todd is on it now. Um, but it is, um, it's such a great organization in terms of representing the, you know, it's all private capital, but really venture and private equity and, and coming together. So to make sure that the right policies are in place. So there's all kinds of things they do in terms of networking. They have their, their big, um, alpha conference once a year. But I think the, the greatest value that they add is, is on policy. And when you think about, um, you know, we had to ch- the, the R and D tax credit. They've done a lot of work on that. Um, on the way options are taxed. Yep. They did a lot of work on that. Um, they also did a lot of work just on getting diversity be, to be, um, to be a key priority for people in venture and private equity. So 10 years ago, there was, oh, I think there was maybe one woman at any level in a private equity firm. At any level. Wow. And I could be wrong on that, but I can, I can only think of one. <laughs> and now almost not at the senior level yet, but almost every private equity firm has women in it. Yeah. And if they don't, they're working hard to. And, and to large extent. All the big ones do. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's true in venture as well. I mean, like at, yeah. at the GP level, it's still pretty mm. bad. I mean, it's probably 10%. But if you look at the emerging, you know, the associates and the principals, yeah. I mean, it's It's really, not 10%, Ian. I don't know where you're getting that. It's, is it it's, less? Well, who, who, there's, I can count. Um, Melissa. I'm well, not, was I'm you, gone now. You've gone, so you, you're, you're <laughs> so really affecting the, the numbers. Um, Sam Wong. Sam. Uh, Michelle from yeah. One Ventures. Andrea. Andrea, yeah, and you guys are raising your fund, right? But like, yeah, are you raising a fund? Yeah, we we are in the process of raising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not an easy process. No, it's not, especially now. Yeah, but so like, there's not. There are some some more, and I'll get. But if you think of like who has who who has funds that are already raised, you guys will raise yours, no doubt. But yeah, there's Sam and Michelle. There's definitely, there's, there are <laughs> no. definitely more. I think there's another three or four at the no, GP no, no. level. I don't think so, no. <laughs> because, I mean, there's a lot of firms that are counting um, really important roles and they've given them partner titles, which is great. And it's not that they're not important roles. They are really important roles. These are like the head of finance, the head of uh, um, community, the head of... Um, operations. Operations. and and But the, the thing is, that's not where... The problem is the problem is the people making the investment decisions in yeah. terms of that's not where the real, the real gap is. Yeah. So if you look at in terms of making investment decisions at the partner level, I think we might be down to two. Right. Oh, well, it's, uh, it's not in enough. terms of funds of a size, right? Yeah. No, it's, so it's not 10%. <laughs> well, you know, but, I mean, let, let's put a slightly positive <laughs> yeah, spin yeah. on it because we, we, uh, there is talent coming through, Absolutely. which is really good. At the, at the junior level, it is, um, a lot. Yeah. There's a Cause lot if you're going to solve a problem, like just pointing at it and saying that's a problem is, is not helps. enough. You have to, but it helps. Yeah. It does help. Right? It yeah. does. Uh, and I think it's good to call it out. And I think it's really good that everyone is aware of it. You know, if you look at main sequence, I mean, they, they, when they went out recruiting, were very explicit. We yeah. are looking for, for females. We're going to give well, priority. Yeah. Absolutely. And they, and they found them. Yeah. You know, a couple of great hires there. Um, all right. Well, I want to jump back to, to lighter before we sort of wrap up uh, and just talk about what's next. Mm. Uh, I mean, because you, you've come in, um, you know, you're only a week in the in the role. So, yeah. it, you know, it's great. <laughs> it feels like toy. a year. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> well, what's next? What, what are your plans and well, what are your Well, I'm so excited about the Australian launch. That is, um, that is, uh, 
the probably the thing I'm most excited about yeah, because I just think there's such a need for what they do in yeah. Australia. And I think it's a market that will be especially open to um, a product like this because more so than in the US, you know, Australian entrepreneurs, a lot of them don't think they need venture. They don't really want venture. They don't want dilution. Whereas in the US, it's a little bit of a badge of honor. It helps you recruit people and to have, you know, venture capital money. I don't think that's the yeah. case as much here. Yeah, Australians are very so, capital efficient generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, because there's so, so much venture uh, yeah. money in the US, it like falls out the trees, I hear. So it's not quite like that here. <laughs> well, entrepreneurs wouldn't say that, but, <laughs> no. but um, they, so that is probably one of the things I'm most excited about. And then another thing that initiative that we're working on and hope to have launched, you know, by the end of the year is just the small, the, the small loans product where you can get a decision and get funded within a couple of days. Right. For, for loans under a certain size. And this is same customer type, but just a different loan product. Same customer type. Yeah. But just a different, just, uh, just faster, you know, that the, uh, expediting the entire process. Yeah. So you can, you know, plug in a couple things. And what we found when Lighter started 10 years ago, companies were very reluctant to share accounting and banking data. You had to really build the relationship before they were willing to, you know, share that with you. And now companies have just become accustomed to, yep, if I'm going to get a loan, I plug you into, you know, through, Plaid in the US or Yieldly or Basic here. Yeah. Um, and I plug you into my, you know, my transactional data. I plug you into my accounting data. You know, uh, Lighter can, um, what, what we do today is we pull all that information and we make lending decisions, yeah. but we can do that a lot faster. So that's one of the things I'm pretty excited but, but about. But what about the, the macro view? I mean, like, have you got plan? Like, how do you become the billion dollar company and when does that happen? And I mean, how much of that are you articulating right now? Well, you've heard, I know you've heard some know, of it, but, just, I, but yeah, let's, let's hold off a little bit on that, but no, you've heard it. You, you, are, you know, you wouldn't have done this if you weren't ambitious. So I mean, exactly. I don't I'm think not we're interested. giving any no, no. secrets I'm away. Not, so. not interested in doing this, but, but one of, we this are looking. This is not looking, a hobby business. No, not a hobby business. So we are looking at going in, you know, expanding beyond SaaS. So they were the pioneers in this area and they are still widely considered to be the leader in the U.S., even though there are more competitors there now. Um, but we, the, so what I'm excited about is expanding into other verticals that have similar characteristics in that they're companies that, um, that they wouldn't really uh, qualify for funding from traditional sources like banks. Um, but they have data that can be used for credit decisioning. Yeah. All right. And well, then also, uh, yeah, also just giving um, access to this asset class to investors who are interested in it. Yeah. Well, look, um, it's tremendously exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked for you. Um, uh, you know, and, We're uh, expecting Australia to be our biggest market, Ian, so. and take over the US by next year. And it's all on your shoulders, <laughs> right? You're our Australian guy, Australian guy. So, uh, yeah, no, anyway, look, it is super exciting. So, um, yeah, congrats. And, Thank you. Uh, and, and well done for, for stepping out of what, uh, what was a great role. So, um, I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, so thank you as well for taking the time to do this. But before oh, you go, uh, we, we're going to jump into a quick fire round. Okay. Um, which I, I, I think I texted it to you when I was driving over to your yeah. house. So I'm very organized. <laughs> uh, do you have a book recommendation? Well, I love the book Mindset. Um, by Carol Dweck. Uh, and I'm reading Thinking in Bets now. I'm almost oh, yeah. done with that. Have you read that? Yeah, in fact, I, I think it was someone at Summit Club that recommended it, but yeah. I love it. It's really good. It's really good. It's great for, um, yeah, I, it's Annie great. Duke. Annie so, Duke. Yeah, yeah. Professional poker player. I yeah. actually got sent that book by Dean Durrell. 
Oh, uh, really? Yeah, he's such okay. a nice guy. And he, he, he sent it over and said, you'd love this. Um, but you're a poker player as well. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call me that, but oh, yeah. You, you won the first. <laughs> no, year, I didn't even win. I came in second oh, place. I second. But yeah, I think but still, I was, yeah. Maybe, I, was, I was too inebriated to remember. <laughs> I think got very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good book. So that's a good recommendation. Um, podcasts, do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, not as much as I would like, but... Um, um, well, you're, so, you're not commuting anymore. So I know, yeah. I know. I used to listen to them in my car a lot more. And now it's like, yeah, no. It's like, yeah. So, um, Squiz, do you know Squiz? I've heard of it. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a, a easy few minutes, 10 minutes, you get all your Australian news for the day. There you go. Um, Pivot, do you know Pivot? That's a, it's a sort of Valley tech podcast. Right. Um, and then one of my favorite ones is Grammar Girl. Okay. That's a good friend of mine. Did She's the one I had the, I told you I had the bow business yeah. in um, college. And that, which is the hair accessory business. And she created a podcast probably 15 years ago. And it became like the third most popular podcast when podcasts were early. And now wow. she's published all these books. And yeah, so 15 years ago, that is early in the podcast. Yeah, journey. hers was right. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, uh, what news source do you rely on? Uh, I, New York Times oh, every yeah? day. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Every, yeah. That's what I would read every any, day any, just to any get any Aussie news. What'd you do there? Um, <laughs> Do you have a favorite app? Like what you're launching well, your phone when you want to have fun? Well, I mean, Spotify is probably the app yeah, that I use the good. most. Yeah. Which is why when I do walks, I'm on Spotify versus listening to a podcast. So. And, what, and what sort of music? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether that's a personal question. What sort of music do you like? It's all over the place. Right. All over the place. My husband used to stay, say I was stuck in the eighties, but that's not true. But, um, I all, all over, like, I don't know. I just, when, when COVID hit, I really got into Joni Mitchell. Okay. I'd never, you know, I'd heard a couple of her songs before, but I really got into it when COVID hit. And then, um, and like everything. When, and jo is she was a contemporary singer, songwriter kind of. You don't know who Joni Mitchell no. is? Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm not. I've been shamed she's of my like own only podcast. the best. She's only like the best songwriter ever. There's like Dylan, Leonard Cohen, and Joni Mitchell. Uh, okay, really? Okay, I, I need to go and do some research. I might edit this bit out of the podcast <laughs> just to save myself embarrassment. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, do you have a favorite productivity tool? I mean, when I, when I, when you sent this to me, I thought, okay, like what, but you know what the best productivity tool is in this show's age is text. Like text is an awesome, because <laughs> I remember when we didn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a really good productivity tool. Slack is nice, you know, but, but text is actually really yeah. good. SMS, can't beat it. Yeah. And when I, and the, pray, yeah, if you don't the original have your, and best. if you don't have your phone, you are really unproductive. That's, true. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, for, no one's, no one's either said. SMS or phone, but they're so accurate. <laughs> uh, favorite or um, yeah, best tech CEO in your view? Uh, well, I think Melanie Perkins. Oh yeah, because she, um, you know, she will do so much to change. Um, just perceptions. You know, she's a woman, uh, young, and the company is so successful. It's now really the most successful private tech company in Australia yeah. from a valuation standpoint. And she's right? so ambitious. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's just, it's um, she's just going to do a lot or has already done a lot yeah. in terms of, um, you know, just shattering uh, unconscious biases. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. I think yeah. she's amazing. Um, TV show. Do you watch any TV? I don't watch a lot of TV, but I do watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Oh, yeah. On YouTube or? Um, yeah. On YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, watch, I used to watch The Daily Show with Trevor Noah just on iTunes that just keep keep track of what's going on in America. Yeah. No, they're pretty good. It's <laughs> get my daily bashing. Trump bashing in. Yeah. No, you get the, the Trump bashing, but with some humor. 
Yeah, yeah, so I, I yeah, do, yeah. Do quite yeah. like it as well. Okay, and last last question. So, if you got called by the TED organizers to do a <laughs> TED talk, what would you talk about? I think um, we already touched on this before, but probably why we need more women venture capitalists. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got a lot to say on that topic. I think you do so. Well, if uh, Ted's listening, that is a great topic. <laughs> I think a great place to to end. So, uh, Melissa, thank you. That was awesome. Thanks, Ian. Really enjoyed that. Was that was fun. And, yeah, uh, we'll see you next Thanks time. Thanks for coming over to my <laughs> <Pleasure>. office. <Yeah. laughs>